Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel that we're going to be reviewing will be our 73rd sequel, Arbitrary Number, but it'll be our 200th episode. So what's better for 200? Two of the biggest horror icons. I don't think there's anyone else that comes close in my eyes. And of course, I'm talking Freddy versus Jason. And this week, I can't believe... I was lucky enough to interview Jason Voorhees himself, almost Jason and Jason Takes Manhattan, actor, stuntman, stunt coordinator, stunt driver, he does it all, Ken Kiersinger. Ken was so much fun to talk to because I think with a lot of these guys, gentle giant, he grew up in Vancouver, when he got into the stunt industry, it's when that Vancouver filming boom started to happen. When American companies were like, hey, we can go to Canada and our dollar stretch a lot more. So he, you got to hear how much passion he had at such a young age for this. And he had some great acting roles over the years. Like we talked about right in the beginning. I remember him from Ace Ventura when Nature Calls and from Hot Rod. And one thing that was really cool. So before we start the interview... Ken wanted to shout out one of his fans. She wrote a book called Rusty Blade, The Love of a Fan. Her name's Shana Keebler. He wanted to plug it. So I'm going to put it in the episode notes so you can find the link there. And 200 is coming up next week. So do me a favor. Subscribe wherever you're listening. Rate us. Like us. Share us. Follow us on all social media at sequels only. And without further ado, man, you're going to love the stories during this interview, Ken is, Ken's great. <laughs> Without further ado, here is actor, stuntman, gun twirler, stunt driver, and Jason Voorhees, Ken Kiersinger. We are here, man. This is going to be cool. It's I, I haven't really talked to anybody that did like stunts per se, and I know you had the acting side too. Yeah. So it'd be cool to hear like that end of the business. I've heard, of, I've talked to people like, like I chatted with Alex Winter, we did like a Death Wish three reunion with right. him, Kirk Taylor, and Tony Spiridakis, and they talked about their stunts that they did, like falling out of a window and rolling down. And I'm sure what you did was a little more intense. But before we get there, I always like finding out about journeys and how people got into this crazy business. So, what part of you grew up in Canada? What part was it? Uh, I grew up in Victoria, actually, on uh, Vancouver Island. Um, I don't know if you know where that is, but uh, Vancouver Island is just off the West Coast. And uh, Victoria is the most southern tip. And uh, it was a great place to grow up. There was absolutely no film industry there or anything uh, while I was growing up. But (laughs) later in life, when I was in my uh, late teens, let me go back, when I was about 10 or 11, I read an article about a very famous stunt guy named uh, Hal Needham, and that kind of tweaked my interest in stunt work and, and, you know, working in the business and stuff like that. And uh, it was years later, uh, somebody came to Victoria to film Last Desperado, I think it was, a Western, and they had turned one of the old streets in Victoria into a film set, and, you know, I was walking around, and, uh, you know, I was just like, Loved it. I, I fell in love with it right then and there. And uh, I was uh, going away to university in uh, Vancouver, but and I was playing football at uh, UBC. I was going to ask you that because you're a big dude. I'm sure like it was hockey or football. Well, I, I played uh, college basketball as well. Oh, wow. And, and football. And uh, um, But I blew my knee out playing football. And <sighs> my sister was living in Los Angeles at the time. And uh, actually, she lives there now, but they moved to San Francisco at one point. Anyway, went down to visit her with the idea of looking into stunt work. Oh, wow. Turns out, yeah, turns out her next-door neighbor was uh, the props guy on uh, an old TV series called Fall Guy, which was all about a stunt Oh, yeah, yeah. And so he kind of hooked me up with some phone numbers and said, call, call these stunt guys. I know them, and, and uh, I wish I could remember the names now. Anyway, I I called them and they gave me the phone number of some guys that were getting into stunt work and had done some stunt work in Vancouver. And I came back and called and uh, I think it was like three or four weeks later, maybe, I was working on my first movie doing stunts in Alberta for uh, Superman 3. 
Uh, well, yeah, I saw that on there. I was wondering if that was your first credits. So when you're like, re- you talked about like reading, walking onto that set in Vancouver, like, was there something that you prepped in your head about stunts? Did you like try to do something on your own to be like, I can take a fall like this? Well, I mean, I played, uh, you know, when I, I played rough when I was a kid, That's uh, true. I played a lot of sports, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I thought oh, I can take the knocks, you know, um, yeah. I played college football and, and uh, so I, I it just the idea. I loved uh, the old TV series Wild Wild West uh, yeah. when I did, and I used to watch it. You know, when it was first out, and Robert Conrad, and I loved the fight scenes that he did, and you could tell that it was him doing a lot of the fighting, if not most of the fighting. And and I just thought, man, this guy moves so good, and it was so cool. And you know, I'd, I'd play fight with my you know friends, and we'd stage fight, and you know, play superheroes and all that kind of stuff. But when I read that article about Hal Needham, and, and um, I, I realized actually over the years that so a lot of people that got into stunt work, something they so they walked on a film set when they were a kid, and it just you know they fell in love with it, and you know around that age, ten to twelve to thirteen, you know something clicked in them, and, and they tucked that idea of being a, a stuntman away in the back of their head, <laughs> and, uh, and and they became stunt people. Yeah, I think people have that brush with with the industry, like a lot of people I've talked to, cause you have to, to like want to do it because it is a grueling industry. Like every side of it, there's the politics of it and everything. But the more positive part you're talking about, like playing superheroes and you know, with your buddies growing up and play fights. So Superman three, a yeah. canon, a canon film was your yeah. first one. Yeah. Um, I think it was Paul, Paul Weston, I think was the British stunt coordinator on it. And it's just funny enough. I ran into him oh, about two years ago and it was very cool to see him and, and yeah. uh, thank him, thanked him for a great start and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, there wasn't a lot of industry in Vancouver at the time. There was more in Alberta and they, they needed some ND stunt guys. And, and, uh, uh, I knew uh, Jacob Rupp, who was one of the first stunt guys in Vancouver. And uh, he was one of the first, he was the first stunt guy I met. And he goes, Hey, I'm going up to work on uh, Superman three. They need more guys. You want me to put your name in there? And, and, uh, and he did. And, and uh, we ended up going out and working on that together and met some other Canadian stunt guys through that. And, you know, was blown away by the paychecks and, and yeah. uh, you know, it was good money for a kid. I was in, still in university at the time. Oh, you still and, were? Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, I was. Still, I started working in the film business while I was still in university. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was going away to work on movies and coming back and I have to catch up on my, you know, my classes <laughs> and my reports and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just, it's, it's something that grabs people. I, I think, you know, you grow up watching TV and you don't realize, you know, it's a real world. I mean, there's people that put this stuff together and then that thing happens where you read that article or you walk on that film set and you go, I could be a part of this. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and you've grown up loving it. And, um, and that's certainly what happened to me. I know that's the same for a lot of other uh, stunt people. And, and, yeah, and just what goes into it. I don't think people realize that until they maybe listen to an interview with someone like really anybody. And they go, well, this shot took so-and-so days like four days to shoot and the one that i think about all the time whenever i talk to anybody about how in-depth shots are is one that you worked on was x-men x2 i interviewed the actor who played the president he's his name slipped my mind right now but he was telling me how long how many days that took that he was like under that desk and nightcrawler was doing all those stunts were you the stunt coordinator on that one no, no, I wasn't a stunt coordinator. I was just one of the stunt guys in the in the in the uh, Oval Office scene, and you oh, can okay. see And there was a lot of other stunt guys in that sequence. But what was tough about that sequence was, you know, they have to shoot everything, and then and imagine while you're shooting the visual effects that you're putting into it. So you know, uh, the, the the you know the bad guys doing this, and the, and so the and then setting up the next guy, he's got to be here and. It's like a chess game to figure all that out, and um, so it so it takes a long time, you know. And back then, they it was a little bit harder because the process was a little longer and and stuff. But um, uh, you mentioned uh, Ace Ventura, uh, Pet yeah. Detective Two. 
which was one of the movies I worked on. And in the opening sequence, I play the helicopter pilot. I mean, that, that's, I don't know how many, couple of minutes on film kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. you know, I was, I was there for over a week, you know, wow. shooting the sequence. And I remember uh, we were doing this big, long shot where we had two helicopters. You know, I'm in one. And it got the camera helicopter following us in on this big opening wide shot, opens the movie. And you come up to Ace Ventura on the side of the mountain. And that was a stunt guy, his stunt double. And I can't remember his name right now either. But, I mean, he was up on the side of that, hanging off this, the side of this mountain way the fuck up there. And yeah. getting bit by, by black flies and stuff like that for hours, for hours. And, you know, we're doing this big, long sequence. And, of course, you know, we got dialogue. And and, and the way they did with that was uh, uh, um, he wasn't there. Our, our lead actor wasn't there. They were shooting down in Carolina or something with him. Yeah. Jim Carrey and morphed his face. They put his face on this when he when the stunt guy turns, they put Jim Carrey's face on him. Then they cut to the helicopter, and then they cut yeah. to Jim Carrey on the side of a, a set piece down in down in Carolina. But the stunt guy was up there for hours, you know, on this tiny little ledge. And uh, you know, I think he, he finally got just pissed off enough because this is the last take. <laughs> and uh, I felt so sorry for him. I mean, it was beautiful, probably for the first five minutes being up on the side of that mountain and everything. <laughs> when the black flies start biting you, you got no place to go. Poor guy. I was looking at your like your acting credits because you have a ton of acting. Now that you brought that one up, it's yeah. that one and like ones that me and my friends always like quote it. Like that whole scene when he's like, if I were you and you were me, I would use your body to get to the top like that. (laughs) And in Hot Rod, the scene in Hot Rod, when you're the trailer guy and Danny McBride takes you to town. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? I had no idea who Danny McBride was at that point. Not a lot of people did. That was like only his second or third movie and like not even a big, you know, major studio movie yet. Yes, so now now I'm honored that he uh, that he kicked me in the nuts, and, <laughs> and it's funny, you know, I, you do a movie, you don't know how big it's going to be. You know, that I was in for one day on that movie, and uh, but a lot of people, you know, saw it and loved it and, and uh, mentioned it to me, and, and uh, so it's pretty cool. It is funny the things you get mentioned for. I'm sure, like a lot of actors, a lot of people that work in. Hollywood, they do a movie and they're like, this is what I'm going to be known for. And then it's the movie that they didn't, that maybe they did a day on or, you know, a movie that they didn't really like, but it's what the public is going to remember you for, for the most part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at road, road warrior, right? The original road warrior. I mean, it was a, a cheap little, you know, Australian movie and, Look who became famous from it, you know. I know. It, it was pretty, yeah. <laughs> so then from Superman 3, you're still in university. What was like that next step? Was it being on that set and like connecting with the, all the other Canadian stuntmen and then going from there? Yeah. I, you know, I was actually fortunate because being still in university, I had access to the gyms and the equipment and like nobody had a video camera back then. I mean, uh, uh, so I set up, you know, training sessions for uh, myself and, and the other stunt guys. And we would come in into the uh, gymnastics gym and, and uh, you know, practice on the trampoline, get air sense. Uh, you know, we had, there were mats there to practice taking gunshots and doing fight scenes, learning how to do hip tosses and all that kind of stuff. And, and a video camera, too, so you could come and look at your work. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I had something to add to the to the to the pot. And, um, uh, yeah, those were fun times uh, uh, because, uh, you know, there were only a couple of guys that have been around, you know, and done stunts on movies. And so I learned from them and, and I fortunately got to work with a lot of American stuntmen when they would come to Canada to film and uh, kind of apprenticed underneath them. And, uh, you know, th- those were those were fun early early years <laughs> well that changed pretty quick right 83 that was in canada but then the yeah. boom happened like pretty soon after that right that people were like hey we could shoot in canada and save some money and then that was probably yeah. big for yeah uh jump street came along and yeah Steve canal uh brought up a you know hat squad wise guy all of a sudden all those shows wise guy yeah 
<clears throat> and I, all of a sudden, I was working all the time. And, uh, it, you know, just t- it timed out with me getting out of university. And, and uh, um, I walked into this great career where uh, there weren't a lot of stunt guys in town. So if they wanted a big bad guy, you know, I got to play the big bad guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the, the community grew fairly quickly. And, uh, you know, after that, but, uh, you know, it took a while because you couldn't just put anybody on set and, uh, uh, you know, and make you look bad you, if you were yeah. to recommend somebody. You had to know that they could do what you wanted them to do. Um, and a lot of the things were specialties, you know, came along, you know, um, you know, Asian martial arts was, uh, you know, becoming big then uh, yeah. for the TV series and stuff like that. So, you know, some great Asian stunt guys uh, came along uh, here in Vancouver. Dean Cho was one of the first. Um, and so it was fun to kind of grow with the industry. Because a lot of other people came along too, you know, you got to work with the, the new props guy that got in the business, and, and yeah. uh, you grew up with these people, right? Yeah, that's cool. That sense of community. What were you going to school for? Uh, I was majoring in phys ed with a minor in English. Oh. You know, I, I think I probably, if I hadn't got into stunt work, I probably would have been a cop or a fireman. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would have been a teacher. <laughs> and then, so. Like you mentioned, like there was a huge boom. There's like a ton of like shows and movies that you're stunting in at that point. And then the first, was it the first time you were a stunt coordinator? Was, it looks like a CBS summer. No, Sirens. It looked like that was like one of the early times you were in charge of the stunts. Yeah. That was one of, that was one of my, it wasn't my first. It was one of the first though. Yeah. It was a pilot, uh, pilot for a TV series that, that Camel was doing. And uh, I, I, it never went uh, sirens. Yeah, but that's cool. And you know, it's funny, like seeing this. You know, that's such an important job being a stunt coordinator because you're the one that's in charge of everybody. But it's so cool at such a young age, at the age of like 21, 22, you were the one organizing, like doing the workouts in the gym and having the equipment. So that, like, you're like meant to do that. I was going home, man. I wanted, I wanted this to be a career. And I knew that, you know, that the stunt community was going to grow, that that the film industry was going to grow. I mean, uh, back then, I think the dollar was at 75 cents, you know, U.S. And I just thought to myself, how can they afford not to come here? If they're going to save, you know, 25% on their budgets. And, and, you know, the the industry runs on money, right? The time is money. And Anyway, uh, the industry grew just the way I thought it would, and I got in right at the basement and uh, and grew with it. And and it was like I say, those were fun times. We were all kind of, you know, the the, the props guy, the effects guys. I mean, we had a really great effects guy in Vancouver, uh, John Thomas, who had started out as a stuntman but got into special effects. And and uh, John had a real affinity with the stunt community, and um, uh, since passed away, but. Uh, uh, there's a special effects studio named after him here in oh, Vancouver. That's cool. You know, these these were people that kind of helped you along. And, you know, I remember doing a car chase that I almost got killed on. <laughs> and, you know, I came back to work and, and uh, you know, I fractured my elbow and stuff like that. And he, he knew I was getting on the horse uh, again. And, and uh, so he was there. He was, anything I can do for you? Go, well, I'm a little afraid, of, you know, afraid of my bumper overlapping on the, on the other car. And he brought in a guy and he welded a new section on, you know, a section of a bumper there. I mean, you know, he was just such a fantastic guy. And it was like that through the whole community. We were all helping each other. It was uh, a a great time. There was a great sense of camaraderie. That's great, man. Yeah. So, so like around that time you had all these series and movies you're doing like cool movies, like who's Harry Crumb speed zone. And then just one of my favorite movies, like being a Jersey guy, Friday the 13th, even though they only filmed the one here and then the rest of them were all over. (laughs) And then probably the same thing. They noticed the, how much they can save on the dollar. And so they made uh, Vancouver look like the coast of New Jersey. And then, so how did that happen? How did you land the gig for Jason takes Manhattan? Uh, I had worked with uh, Randy Sheveldate, who was the production manager on the show. And he actually called me up and he said the first message on my machine from him was because uh, we had machines back then <laughs> um, was hey Ken do you want to be the stunt coordinator on this Friday the 13th movie and play Jason and I 
by the time I got back to him, I was working on something else at the time. Uh, that I got another message from him saying, um, "Oh, listen, we, you know, the guy that played him before has made a deal, and so we ah. just need to be the coordinator." And so I came on as the stunt coordinator and the stunt double and the fry cook and and uh, you know on the, and worked on that project. I love the fry cook. I think that's the coolest thing. Like when we covered it, yeah, I was like, you know, well, I've seen the movie a million times because. It was just one of those ones that was always on USA and, uh, and, uh, man. And I remember seeing that fact that it was like the fry cook went on to play, you know, Jason and Freddie versus Jason. I think the coolest thing is, is I don't even know if you were aware of it at the time that Rob Hedden, like the writer, is this is something way before production started that he wanted that movie to be Freddie versus Jason. Oh, I had no idea about that. No. Yeah. I don't no. know if you were you in the documentary at all. Did they reach out to you to do like the behind the scenes, like the I don't know. It was like a while ago they did it, but in it he talks about that. But New Line, Freddie, they wanted so much money because their fourth movie of the year before did so well, yeah. the Dream Master. So they wanted like more of a cut, like boxing. You know, you have two heavyweights, right? Like Freddie, Freddie and Jason. So yeah. they just like nixed the idea. But man. That is, uh, that's such a cool yeah, movie. No, I had no idea. That seems really early for that idea, but I mean, uh, it only makes sense, right? Because you look at the past, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, the werewolf. Yeah. Um, you know, they put, ended up putting all those characters together, so it was kind of inevitable that eventually they would do it with some of the other horror, you know, iconic horror uh, monsters. Yeah, and then they wanted to, Rob wanted the script, again, this is probably nixed on a script before you even got it, but he wanted to have like it'd be so in New York, like the kills, like he wanted like one of the girls to die, like Madison square garden with somebody else die in front of like the statue of Liberty. Then obviously for budgetary purposes, they only had like those few minutes in times square. But so I interviewed a couple people that were the victims in that one was, uh, Tiffany Paulson, who is Susie Donaldson, who gets killed on the boat. Right. In that scene. And uh, she told me that her original death was supposed to be like some intricate, like underwater, like he shoots her underwater, but something happened. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, what I, what, what's, what I, what you see on the screen is, it was the script that I got. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, she may have had access to earlier scripts that they had yeah. to write for, again, for budgetary reasons. You know, we had water, a lot of water sequences and that and, and, uh, and some some good kills. There are some good kills in there. Do you have any favorite that you were able to like put your like flavor on? Well, my favorite kills in Freddy versus Jason, the bed folding. Yeah, you yeah. Know, because it's so not expected. Yeah, you know, you expect Jason to you know steer the guy with the uh, with the machete, but to fold the bed up, I just thought was brilliant. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, Ronnie, you was uh, such a great choice for director for Freddy versus Jason because yeah. he. Um, uh, he, he he has a martial arts background, and uh, you know a lot of people said, "Well, how's Freddie going to fight Jason?" You know, Jason's just so much bigger. And anybody who's done martial arts knows that you know size isn't you know it doesn't determine who wins the fight. Yeah. And uh, Ronnie just put a great touch on that. And you know, I think if it if he hadn't been a director from from Hong Kong, uh, Freddie versus Jason would have been so so much different. Uh, but he put to, a really great spin on it. Yeah, the movie has great colors, and I think it does the right thing. It 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 like gives the audience what they love about each, like yeah. throughout the movie. It's like they didn't have to reinvent everything. Just go to the well of everything that everybody loves of both, and it was a clever story that like Freddie needed to use yeah. yourself, Jason, in order to put the fear in everyone. <laughs> so that was pretty well, neat. I, I think it was the tenth, you know, or so script that they had considered, and so they yeah. Put a lot of thought into it, and and uh, you know the thing about Freddy vs. Jason is you didn't have to see all the other movies of both franchises to enjoy the movie. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of people that I've spoken to, you know, hadn't seen all the all the movies from all the franchises, and uh, you know, Freddy vs. Jason turned them on to both franchises. You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. You know, now I'm going to watch the Elm Streets. Now I'm going to watch the the Friday the Thirteenth. So it, you know, they just did a great job of of. of putting a script together that, and it had the tidbits for the people that 
you know, had seen all the franchises and yeah. stuff like that. So. No, you're right. No, that's so true. And one thing I love about that, we can, we'll go back to like other things just sure, about yeah. your career. But one thing I I think is still the funniest thing about it wasn't even the movie, was the weigh-in. The Vegas-style weigh-in <laughs> is like the funniest thing. That was it. Wasn't that a great marketing idea? I love it. You know, it was just a really great idea. We had a full auditorium for that. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know when, when I got the job how big a deal it was. And it was even bigger because it was both franchises. Yeah. Uh, so um, when we did the Vegas thing, it was just like blew me away a bit. And, and uh, you know, I really, I really, Robert ate it up. I mean, he you know, put him on stage and makeup and he, he just let him go. So, I, you know, I didn't have that much to do except, you know, do my Jason walk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, it was just a great idea to get the guy, you know, let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. You know, just set it up perfectly and everything. So that was just a great marketing idea. Yeah. So great. Robert's great. And just he loves it. Like he embodied that character. Other people shy away from a character that they played and like that's who they are sometimes. So how did that role come about? Did you get, was it like an open audition or somebody said, Hey, Ken, remember 15 years ago when you were, that I asked you to be him? No, it was, uh, uh, I was actually being interviewed for the stunt coordinating job. Oh, wow. uh, so I go in to meet with, uh, with the, uh, producer, the line producer, Doug, uh, blanking on the name, but, uh, <laughs> So I'm sitting down across from him, and, and he's looking at me, and and uh, I can tell his mind's kind of someplace else. And, and uh, then finally, finally, he just says, "You know, would you be interested in playing Jason?" Wow. And uh, and I I said, "Yeah, sure." And he goes, "Well, you, you know, you'd have to audition, but you're 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 the right height and right build, you know, what we've been looking for." And they've been auditioning a lot of different people for it, but you know, would you audition for it? And I said, "Yeah, sure." So they set me up for the audition, and the audition was uh, wearing a really cheap Jason mask. And uh, they read the opening scene of the girl swimming in the lake, and they did a close-up of my eyes reacting to her in the lake and the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. And then they had me walk around the room. And uh, they sent that to Ronnie Yu. And then I went in, uh, got a call back to go meet with Ronnie, and, and, uh, and Ronnie you know, basically okayed me in the room. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, it, part of it was, you know, I had worn the Jason costume before in, in uh, n- number eight and uh, had experience with the franchise. They knew that they wanted to cast a stunt guy, even though uh, they made it very clear to me from the, beget- the get-go that I would have a stunt double. Really? Um, well, it was just such a big budget movie. Oh, but, yeah, insurance yeah. purpose, yeah. Uh, for insurance. And also they, they run a main and a second unit. And they always tend to shoot the action on second unit oh, yeah. and then pick up shots on, on main unit with the main actors and stuff like that. And uh, because I specifically asked, I said, you know, uh, there's one stunt I really want to do because I knew it would get nominated for a World Stuntman's Award. And, and it was the fire gag in the cornfield. Oh. So I specifically asked to do to do that. And uh, he said, no, Ken, we're hiring you as an actor on this movie. And, and uh, <laughs> that's going to be shot on second unit. We'll have you on main unit. And so the last night of filming, though, you know, I did the fight stuff, you know, at, at the camp and whatnot. So it's not like I didn't do any stunt work on the thing. So yeah. the last night of filming, uh, Glenn Ennis, who was doubling me, had the costume on that was right for the hand coming out of the grave, I think. And and uh, and and, and uh, I had the right costume on for when Jason gets thrown out of the van that's flipping down the road. So uh, they came to me and they go, you know, last night of filming, you know. Uh, Ken, you're in the right. Do you, do you mind doing the ratchet out of the back of the van? And, and I said, Oh, now, now I'm expendable. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. so I ended up doing that. But uh, yeah, um, it was just a uh, sorry. This is Max. Hey, Max. <laughs> but man, that's so wild. I think the like the connection of it, the 15 years late, like for the. Uh, 13, 14 years later. So what about, so was it the same thing when Kane was in the costume? Did they let him do any of that? Or were you a body double like Glenn was for you? Yes. Uh, they didn't have as much second unit to shoot on number yeah. eight, but they had second unit to shoot. So I did the second unit stuff. And uh, so like the car hit, they, 
the uh, getting electric. Climb into the boat. Uh, Is that you? No, I don't think I did that one. Uh, I did the getting electrocuted on the, you know, uh, walking down off the train, getting electrocuted oh, yeah. on the Oh, when his face melts, that's a that's a, a prosthetic face, and those were my hands and stuff. Oh. And, uh, one or two other things, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I always love the Julius kill. That's like, even though the head and the way it flies off and everything, I think that is yeah. so cool. Like... Because that's like the only time in the series, really, that you see him be like damaged by like a human, like just the right. way Julius is giving him shots to the gut. Yeah, yeah, you know that was a great scene. I, I had a, a friend of mine, uh, Ernie Jackson, doubling him, and uh, you know did some did some of it. But, uh, the actor did most of his through most most of his own punches, and, and uh, the idea of uh, the head coming right off. I mean, you know, it's so it's kind it's. It's so over the top kind of thing, right? You know, it's like if you hit somebody that hard, you might take their jaw off, you know, but the head's going to stay on. So that, but the head coming off, you know, suspend all reality when it comes to slasher films. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then from there, so, so while you're doing the stunt work, like we'll go back to, you know, like 90 ish, like that part of it. So you're doing the, the stunt and the acting. Was it just, mostly up in vancouver or were you already like in a did you ever come down to la for a while no i uh, there was no reason to go to la for me wow you know i was actually bouncing between toronto and vancouver so early in my career i would you know one uh, you know i'd spend a week or two in toronto doing working on a film or a tv series or something like that then i'd fly back to vancouver get a day in get another phone call. Hey, can you come back out to Toronto? Wow. You know, I was going back and forth between Vancouver and Toronto a lot. And then Vancouver just got so steady and busy and, and uh, they ended up, you know, they found another big guy in Toronto that, that uh, they could use. And, and uh, so I ended up, you know, spending most of my time in, in Vancouver. I did go down to Arizona to do a, uh, a, a Western sequence for a movie called Stay Tuned. Um, oh yeah, uh, I was doubling an actor, doubling an actor doing uh, his fast draw, and, and uh, so I do. I, I did gun spinning and fast draw. And Wait, were you were you John Ritter or were you Jeffrey Jones? Jeffrey Jones. I doubled Jeffrey Jones for his <laughs> fast draw. Nice. And, awesome. and I had, I was doubling him when he when they were shooting in Vancouver. Uh, so I had been doubling him in Vancouver, and uh, the American stunt coordinator, I think, it was Gary Combs. Um, uh, I let him know. I, 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 Hey, I do Western fast draw and gun spinning. And he goes, well, send me a tape. So I did a tape of me spinning guns and stuff like that. He goes, you're hired. So we, we go down there and we're shooting in old Tucson with this old Western town and they have the live shows there and everything. Right. So they got cowboys there that do Western, you know, fast draw and gun spinning and, yeah. and they do the live show, you know, the fights and stuff. And, and they found out that I was there to just to do Jeffrey Jones's uh, fast draw. Uh, there was a spin, you know, a spin out of the holster, shoot, spin back into the holster, and uh, I had these guys all lined up watching me, you know, uh, you know, to see how I did, kind of thing. And, uh, luckily, I, the first time I did it, I, I did it so fast the camera missed it, and it just sort of looked up at the director and he goes, "Wow, Can you slow it down a bit." <laughs> and um, anyway, I was lucky I pulled that out. Yeah, actually, I got to do James Arness's fast draw in the first TV movie of uh, called Gunsmoke Return to Dodge. Wow. Now, a lot of people might not remember Gunsmoke, the old TV yeah. series. It was one of the longest TV series in the world, but I grew up watching that. And uh, uh, there's a scene at the end where he has the gunfight with the bad guy, and I got to do James Arness's fast draw for that. So that's, wow, that's, that's real. Cool. You know, one of the little, you know, great things tucked away yeah. in my memory. 
How did how did you get to start doing that? Was it something you did as a kid, like guns, or was you like, oh, this is something I should learn? You know, it's a funny thing. You, you know, you, uh, you know, I'm Canadian. A lot of people don't think of Canadians and guns, but when I was a kid, I would go to the Sears catalog, and I was always, you know, every Christmas I wanted a, a new a new toy gun. Yeah, and so I grew up sort of enamored of westerns and and guns and stuff like that. And uh, I think it was after like my first knee injury and i was laid up i uh, uh bought a replica handgun and a, and a holster and because i was i couldn't walk around too much and i started spinning a gun and um i just practiced and practiced and and learned from you know watching uh, you know clint eastwood you know when he's handing the guy the gun he spins it around and shoots him and for outlaw josie wales and Watching Sammy Davis Jr. and and uh, Kirk Douglas, they you know both had great scenes where they spun guns and stuff. And I just thought, oh, this you know might be handy one day. And yeah. uh, and I was always oh, enamored of it. So so I learned. Yeah, myself. and it paid off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to this, is like a more of a general question about being a stunt coordinator. Like when you're planning a stunt. What is that process? Are you going in and doing it or like, how does that work? Well, it starts up, you read the script and you break the script down, all the stunts that are involved in that script. And then you have a meeting with the uh, director at some point to discuss, you know, his vision of that stunt and, you know, uh, uh, and then you break it down from there. Uh, you know, you, you talk to him about how he, you know, how he sees it and you set it up accordingly, uh, right down to, you know, how many stunt guys you're going to use, uh, um, the equipment you're going to use, you know, planning the rehearsal days so that once the set's built, you got to make sure you have enough time to get on there and, and set up the ratchet so that you can haul the guy across the room into the furniture and uh, so you got to know where the furniture is going to be. And, and uh, you know, the director tells you where he's going to be putting the cameras. And uh, and so, it, it you know, you break it down into its pieces. It, it can all be a little overwhelming. But you, once you break it into its pieces, uh, then then you set it up, budget it, you know, rehearsal equipment, uh, stunt stunt people. And, and you just do it a step at a time. Wow. Yeah, because it like obviously things can always go wrong with things. So I always wondered like how involved, like, cause you hear some of these like horror stories about like what have happened on sets. So now that's cool that it's, it's really a long process, like sitting with the director, figure everything out. Well, uh, when you're doing uh, films, you have more time, uh, feature films, you tend to get more time and stuff. When I was doing like the X-Files and a TV series, I mean, uh, these days on some TV series, you've got two stunt coordinators. You've got one doing one episode and then you've got another doing the next episode to give them time to set up and everything. And they have more money to do, to do it. But, uh, you know, stunt coordinators will have assistance or something like that. When I was doing X-Files, I was doing it all by myself. And so, yeah. I, you know, while we're shooting one episode, I'm prepping for the next and, you know, running around <laughs> trying to get all that done. And there's a lot of responsibility for the safety of not just the stunt people, but the, the crew members as well. Um, you know, should something goes wrong, uh, go wrong, you, you want to make sure the camera's not, and the people behind the camera aren't in a dangerous yeah. place. And, and uh, so there, there was a lot to do that it, it could get quite busy. <laughs> I think it, it just comes with the territory, like broken bones. Like you said, you, you hurt your knee. Like how many bones have you broken over your career? Well, I mean, I have to start at my toes and work my way up to <laughs> remember them all. And some, some are doubled up. So, um, you know, the injury rate in stunt work is 100%. Just like playing, if you play pro football, you're going to get hurt. If you oh, play yeah. a pro sport, you know, the odds are eventually you're going to get hurt. And uh, you just hope that uh, as a stunt performer, it's not a career-ending one or, yeah. or something really devastating. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, we, there have been fatalities and um, uh, some serious injuries, you know, career-ending injuries where that people have survived. But... Um, uh, you know, broken bones start, certainly happen and, you know, sprains and, and bruises are just part of the, you know, part of the day's work at the office. And uh, it, 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 you can take some pretty hard thumps uh, doing stunt work. And yeah. these days, you know, I'm, in a, I'm amazed when you look at these big budget, you know, X-Men movies or, or, or the Marvel 
Marvel Comics, they've got a stunt guy getting ratcheted, you know, and taking a hard hit in the background that nobody even notices, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you've got maybe eight or ten guys doing that. And, and ratchets are so prominent today. There wasn't as many of them, you know, uh, when I was a young stunt guy coming up. But it, it, those take their toll. I mean, you know, you're hauling people into solid pieces of set piece, you know, you know, on the side of a car, and, and uh, you know, those are all hard hits those people are taking, and 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 they they don't get the recognition for it uh, that, that that they should. I mean, there still isn't an Academy Award for for stunt performance. I know it's just so ridiculous when you have all these scenes in movies that you watch, and you're like, oh my god, that looks so real. Like when you're watching a movie and you say that looks so real, like there should be a category for that. Yeah, they have the World Stuntman's Awards, which is great. You know, uh, Taurus, uh, by, I think Red Bull still sponsored them. Um, and uh, it's great that they've got that. I went to the very first one and, uh, you know, it was very cool uh, uh, that they finally were rec- recognizing uh, stunt performers and stuff. And, yeah. And, uh, you, say, you know, I, I was hoping to get, you know, if I could have done the burns for uh, Freddy versus Jason, the burns that, uh, that, that, that uh, were done in that movie uh, by Glenn should have won the world stones awards that year um what did one was uh last samurai and there's a big sequence where a bunch of guys are on fire in last samurai but what really happened was they had small burns on on the stunt guys and then uh, they cg'd a lot of the fire uh, so as far as danger and skill and all that stuff goes um you know i think glenn did eight burns for that the sequence in the cornfield and uh, uh it should have won so it's yeah. all politics yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have you done that before? Fire or is that yeah, like with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have. Okay. Oh, sure. I mean, that's part of a when I when I grew up in the business, you wanted to be able to do as much as possible, uh, yeah. um, you know, every kind of stunt uh, because you work more. Yeah. And stunt guys back then uh, were when you when I brought my stunt bag to work, I I had stuff in there to do fire gags. I had stuff in there wow. to do. Car hits, I had stuff in there to do, you know, a variety, you know, of, of car driving. Um, you know, that was my bag. I, I, I thought there were times when you came to set and they said, oh, you know, we'll have you do this stunt too. Or we're shooting on this lot. And because back, I, I remember working on two and I think I, I worked on three shows in one day um, where I was running from set to set to set, you know, working and doing, doing a different stunt. And sometimes I wouldn't know what I was doing until I got there. You know, it, it was just so busy. Wow. <laughs> but that was the fun of it too, right? I, I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, my stunt bag was huge. I mean, you could, you know, a, 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 you know, it, basically the size of a person. And I would sit that in, my, in the bucket seat of my, my Corvette and, and drive to work on a sunny day with the top down, thinking I was the luckiest, you know, guy in the world, you know, going and uh, working on a movie. Yeah, it just shows like how young the industry was up there that there probably just wasn't obviously you were great at what you did, you're a big dude. But also it was probably like, man, we need that you know, there's not a ton of people like Ken. You know that can do this. So 3 in 1 day, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, those are like I say, those are great times. Yeah. The industry was young and everybody in it was young and and uh we all uh, the, the the camaraderie was really good because we all wanted the industry to succeed, you yeah. know, in BC and and um, you know so it was important to us that we put out a good product and and that the producers got their money's worth and and uh, uh, so it was like I say it was great times to to be part of the industry here and it's thriving still. You know, oh, yeah. Hallmark, that's their capital, and other movies are shot up there. But I know Hallmark, that's all their movies are in Vancouver. I know some actors that I've interviewed that like moved to Vancouver just to just to be in that scene. Well, what's funny is if you're uh, from Vancouver as an actor, you pretty much have to move down to L.A. to get cast in one of the lead roles to come back to Vancouver and work. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Ryan Reynolds did that. Uh, uh, so many of them uh, do. And yeah. um, uh, so it's just a part of the business, you know, the, the <laughs> They cast, you know, many of the shows that come here out of LA first, and then uh, and then look to Vancouver. So, Ken, how did the acting come about? Was it just something you wanted to do, or you showed up one day? They're like, "Hey, can you read this line?" 
Yeah, no, I remember, I think it was the first uh, acting job, I had, first line I had. Uh, so I was playing a big thug and um, they, I came to set and they, 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 hey, you got some sides. We put your sides in your room and sides, I don't, oh yeah, no, you got some lines here. <laughs> and it was like, you know, something small like Sure Boss or something like that. And I remember how nervous I was having lines. You know, as a stunt guy, you, you're used to doing that. You're very relaxed about it and everything. And, and uh, but there, you know, it's, you've got your shot now. It's like, give me a shot, give me a shot. Okay, now we're shooting for your lines, kind of thing. And I remember how, how nervous I was for that. But that kept happening. You know, I kept getting uh, small roles and stuff like that. And, and uh, actually, I played besides doing James Ernest's Fast Draw in Gunsmoke: Return to Dodge. I I played one of the bad guys called Pot and worked with an old stunt guy named Tony Epper out of, out of LA who belongs to this huge uh, uh, family of stunt people um, that's very famous down there. And, and, you know, he, he, he was a big guy. And, and uh, fortunately he kind of look, looked at me as, you know, here's a young up and comer. I think I reminded him a bit of his son. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he and I got along great and he was a really good actor. And uh, so he gave me some tips, you know, when I, when I was, when I was uh, working on that, I enjoyed it. You know, it was another challenge. And, and uh, you know, as you get older and your body gets more banged up, it, it, uh, you don't mind doing more lines and more hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah. And you did a lot. So it like took off. Obviously you were learning. Did you ever take any acting classes along the way? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, and cool. uh, fortunately I had a chance to work with a lot of actors, you know, who became friends and, and, uh, um, sort of gave you tips as, as you went along kind of thing. And, you, you know, you learn by, by watching and uh, you just, you know, it, it's really a matter of getting relaxed with it. The same thing with stunt work, you know, you've got, you've got a big fight to do a big fight scene to do. And uh, you've memorized all these moves and everything. If you're nervous, you know, all of a sudden you start forgetting stuff. And uh, so I, I see that in young stunt people, you know, fantastic martial artists or whatever, but you put a camera on them, put them on set. And they've got this big long fight scene to do, and, and uh, you know the nerves get to them, kind of thing. And and so much of being a good actor is just being relaxed and allowing yourself to fall into that character. And uh, I remember I got to work with uh, James Garner uh, early in my nice. career, and I was I was actually working as a stand-in on on a movie because I did extra work and stand-in work, uh, you know, in the beginning, uh, help uh, make ends meet and stuff, and and. Uh, um, I was working with James Garner, standing in for John Lithgow. And I remember seeing James Garner. He was laughing and joking. Their roll cameras and they sell, you know, called action. And boom, he was his character. It was like he just flicked a switch and and he played this great character. And uh, he, but he was just so relaxed and obviously been doing it for so long. And and that's, you know, just an example of, of what a great actor can do. Yeah, no, that's Which, so cool. I'm not saying I'm a great actor by, by any stretch. <laughs> uh, you never stop learning. But, uh, but you know, when I've had a chance to see some really great actors at work, and uh, it, it's really something to see. Yeah, no, that's so cool. It's because there's, a, the, there's so many methods for acting. One is that the James Gardner joking around action change. Yeah. And there's the people like yeah. Jim Carrey in, uh, when he did Man on the Moon, and he was in character 24 7 when he was playing tony clifton in that movie which is insane he's one of my favorite actors i mean i i i I just he's so talented and you know it's i love watching his movies because who could do what he does i mean i before him or since him uh he's just really amazing to watch yeah and i think it's crazy like when you're working on ace ventura too like two years before that, like two years probably to when you were filming that, yeah. people were like, oh, that's that white guy from A Living Color. But that right. one year, man, he had Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, The Mask, Batman Forever, and then Ace Ventura 2. I interviewed a few people that were in the tribe from that movie, The Chief and his translator, and they had like really great stories. Talk about this guy that like so much was like, his life changed overnight, really, like within two yeah. years. So <laughs> I just remember I had a flashback. So uh, you remember the rhinoceros scene? 
Yeah, where Jim Carrey comes out of the. So I, I'm I go to I'm going to the special effects shop. Mike Mazzina was the. He's a stunt guy, but he also does special effects, and he was sort of uh, John Thomas's. Uh, John Thomas was his sort of mentor coming up and everything. And I, so I remember going to the shop when they were building that rhinoceros and seeing seeing it and everything. <laughs> you know, I'd read the scene and stuff, and, and uh, you know, I get to see how this is going to go. And uh, anyway, that's pretty famous. Pretty oh. famous. Just the way the little tiny fan goes out, and he keeps tapping it, and then it just finally dies. And just how long he took to get out of that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so great. <laughs> so, Ken, do you do you have any favorite acting roles that you did over the years? Is there one that like? stood out for you personally? Uh, you know, I, the, the, doing the Western, the, uh, that, cause I love Westerns. Um, doing, doing the Gunsmoke Western was really special because I'd grown up watching James Arness and, yeah. and getting to meet Tony Epper being on location, you know, getting to play cowboy, you know, like I say, when I was a kid, I was always, I yeah. always wanted, you know, six guns and stuff like that for Christmas. I remember I had this one Winchester rifle that shot uh, little plastic bullets, and I was like picking off the three wise men and stuff like that. But I mean, so I growing up playing these games and stuff like that, and to be there, to be on a horse, uh, you know, to, to have a, a gun strapped to my hip all day and, and playing cowboy, um, that, I, you know, that was really memorable um, for me. I think, uh, and because Tony Epper had done a lot of great westerns uh, and. Um, I could sit there and listen to him all night, uh, you know, tell stories and stuff like that. So that was, a, and young in my career too. So, uh, uh, you, you know, you, you're impressionable and, and it was just a great experience all around. And, you know, I remember they hardly do this anymore, but at the end of the movie, the producers send out a letter and thank you for, you know, the work you did and stuff. And they mentioned my fast draw. So I was pretty happy about that. And, and uh, so that, that you know that one that one sticks out for sure. Yeah. Do you do you did you ever keep anything from set like scripts or things from like stunt scenes or anything? You know, I actually stole a, a forty-five dummy bullet from Gunsmoke, and uh, <laughs> and I've you know I you know probably pilfered a few little souvenirs over the years. Yeah. I do have like a memory trunk. Nice. And uh, so. Yeah, you know, I, over the years, especially early in my career, because it was all so new and fun. Oh, yeah. I just, you know, it was such hard work, long hours. But when you're young, you know, you, you don't notice it as much. And you, yeah. you've got so much energy and you're doing this thing you love. And so that, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like work, yeah. uh, even though you're doing 16 hour days for, you know, six days a week. Getting, living on four hours sleep, and you know, we did Thirteenth Warrior. I remember I was one of the stunt coordinators on that, and, and it was a huge budget movie, um, big sequences. And uh, I remember telling the stunt guys, you know, this will be one year you'll be glad you did when you did once it's done, because it was hard work. But uh, it was it, that was a great experience too. So, what would you say? How has the industry changed, like from you? say late eighties, like when you're already in the groove, like working on like bigger budget projects, like, and then towards like the, like the two thousands, like what was like the, the difference? Was it like CGI and not relying too much on the stunt end of it? No, I mean, there's more stunt people than ever right now, but, uh, um, definitely, uh, CGI started to change the industry, you know, came along and really changed the way things were done and made it better. I mean, there's just things you can't do to the human body. Yeah. You know, Ryan Reynolds getting hit by two cars in, in uh, Free Guy, you know, um, <laughs> which they stole from an earlier movie that Brad Pitt did. Anyway, it, you know, there's just, you can't do that with a, with a human being and, and make it look as good. So thankfully they, you know, because you got all these, you know, superhero movies now that people have to do. I can't imagine how many stunt people you would go through making a movie, you know, how many broken yeah. stunt guys there would be if it wasn't for CGI. <laughs> and there's still enough stunt work out there, you know, to keep uh, stunt, you know, stunt people busy. And another big change is that uh, stunt people are tend to specialize more now. So you've got, you know, people that are uh, 
specializing in fight scenes or oh, okay, yeah. uh, gymnastics and fight scenes. And, and uh, then you've got some people that specialize in doing fire gags or, or stunt driving, and, and uh, uh, which makes sense, right? I mean, if you're yeah. going to get better, you, you focus on one thing and you become <laughs> really, really, really good at it. And whereas, you know, back in my day, it was, it was, uh, you did it, you know, tried to do as much as you could of everything so, so that you work more. Uh, but that's not the way to make, you know, the best fire gag or You're the right, best. Yeah. Or uh, when, you, when you specialize in something, you become really, really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Is there like a stunt school or have you mentored any stunt people like over the years or? There's been stunt schools in Vancouver off and on over the years. They usually don't last long because uh, they're usually put on by people who can't make it as stunt people. So they yeah. open a stunt school and, and there, there's been some stunt schools uh, in, in LA that uh, Kahana's was a famous one, I think. And you know, there's been stunt driving schools. There's one that's run out of Vancouver now, which is, which is great because <laughs> Uh, the way I kind of learned, uh, the way I learned to stunt drive, this is my, my first stunt driving lesson. And uh, I don't know if any of this can come back. I mean, I think, I think the uh, statute of limitations yeah. is up <laughs> long ago. But, so I'm working on, uh, I'm doing a movie with James Garner and, uh, and uh, Louis Delgado is James Garner's oldest friend. They went to high school together and Louis was, uh, had a small, was James Garner's stand-in. And I was standing in for John Lithgow. And uh, if John, there was a there was a, a possibility of me getting to double John Lithgow doing a stunt. Anyway, I wanted to learn. I was talking to Louis about being a stunt man, and he goes, "Yeah, well, I got to learn to stunt, stunt drive when James Garner learned to stunt drive." Um, you know, they hung out together and stuff like that. So you know, the the famous Garner, you know, uh, reverse one eighty that he did. A lot of the movies, you know, uh, Louis learned that too. And uh, when James Garner learned to uh, drive race cars for a big race car movie he did, Louis got to do that too. And and Louis said, "Well, if you ever get a car in a place, you know, let me know, and I'll I'll, I'll show you. I'll show show you a few tricks." So me being the young stupid guy that I was, who wouldn't let anything stand in the way of me becoming a stuntman, thought this is great. I, you know, okay. So we're shooting in Victoria, where I grew up. Small town. Uh, I go out to the airport, and I go to the airport manager, and I go, hey, uh, I'm the stunt coordinator on this uh, movie we're shooting, and I want to rehearse this done. Could we use the end of one of your runways? And he says, yes. <laughs> didn't check my credentials. Didn't, didn't ask any other questions. Yeah, sure. I mean, people knew that there was a movie being shot. I mean, if I... It, I just can't imagine the hell that would have broken loose. So, so then I go to budget rent. I can't remember if it was budget or, or which rental care company it was budget sticks out in my mind. And I, and I rent a car and I call Louie up and I go Sunday morning, we're going out stunt driving. And, uh, and he goes, you got a place? I go, yep. He goes, you got a car? I go, yep. And I pick Louie up and we go up to the airport and uh, we're, he shows me some car slides with this car and uh and uh, that was my first stunt driving lesson <laughs> again i learned enough then that uh i eventually bought my own uh a police car off a burt reynolds movie uh called malone and and uh oh yeah yeah and uh so then i found locations in the city that were you know an old behind an old warehouse or something like that and i would go practice behind that warehouse until the police came and then I would take off and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the police would sometimes come right up to me and, and, you know, and I'd say, Oh, I'm a stunt guy. I'm just rehearsing, you know, and they, they never arrested me uh, for whatever reason. And um, I ended up getting my first stunt driving job on a TV series. What was it called? It was, it was based on, uh, there had been a feature film that had done really well, and they made it into a TV series. And, Not Cobra, and, right? No, it wasn't Cobra. Okay. It was, uh, Gene Wilder was in, the, uh, was in the original movie. 
but anyway, so my first stunt rubbing job is on Robson and Granville in Vancouver, which is one of the busiest downtown streets. And um, uh, I'm in a cop car and I've got pedestrians on, on the corners. They, they weren't backing people up and stuff like that. So if I spun out or lost it or something like that, I'm into all these people and whatnot. And luckily I was pretty confident about my driving by then. And so I, I you know, slid the car uh, three or four times around the corner. It all went great. And, and after that, I kind of developed a reputation in Vancouver as a, as, as a good stunt driver and ended up getting a lot of work as a stunt driver over the years. Jesus. That. Is that the nerve? Is that like the most, obviously, like you said, you have to be calm when you do a stunt is something like that. The most nerve wracking because obviously you're in control, but there's like yeah. this vehicle that you're in that can cause damage. Well, if you know, a tire can blow out, you know, you, you check all that ahead of time. Make sure yeah, yeah. You know, the, the tires look good and all that kind of stuff. But I would say, you know, being new, my first car sliding job, you know, yeah. uh, and being, put in that situation uh i i was focused put it that way <laughs> you, you focus on what you have to do and put the nerves aside and and uh, you know what to do and if you've done it enough times it sort of becomes muscle memory and and uh and part of that so you know like athletes go into the zone you know uh, a stunt person or an actor you know or, or anybody that's done something enough times goes into the zone yeah. and you've programmed yourself to do this and, and um and so the, it, you know, it's like starting a game. You're nervous before the game, and then you do it a couple of times, and now the nerves are gone, and you're just focused on what you're doing. I still can't believe the guy at the airport. All you had to do is say something, and he was like, "All right." Yeah, he, yeah. You know what? I, I was just so naive and dumb. I mean, I could have ruined my whole career, uh, you know, because if, if that had gotten out, and, and this idiot went to the airport and told him he was the stunt coordinator. He was yeah. the, the stand-in on the on the movie. But I was just uh, <clears throat> determined to make it as a stunt guy. And, and uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I think I'd seen Hooper. I, I'd seen Hooper <laughs> yeah. too many times. <laughs> You're like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's amazing. I always like to ask this question. Obviously you went to school for like phys ed and like teacher and you said, Hey, I would have ended up being a, a cop or a fireman. Is that what you think you would have done if stunt? Obviously you're determined to be a stunt man, but if that didn't work out, you think you would have been a cop or a fireman? Uh, I think if there hadn't been a film industry here, yeah, that would have, would have been a good likelihood uh, getting into uh, being a cop or, or a fireman. I, I, you know, I always, I liked adventure and, and yeah. danger and, and, uh, <laughs> you know, so I think well, probably one of those two things. Just the timing of everything worked, obviously like your passion yeah, for wanting to get in this. And it's just like, everything blew up like at the right age for you in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I mean, you know, it, the film industry is, is, is skill and then luck. I mean, uh, how many, awesome actors haven't been discovered because they didn't get the same breaks that yeah. Al Pacino did or, yeah. uh, or, or Ryan Reynolds or, or, you know, the, you know, you can't only just have the skill. You have to have the luck of, of, of meeting the right people, being in the right place at the right time. So yeah, there's a lot of luck involved. And then you have to nail it. Like there's that luck of getting that one big job, but yeah. then you have to nail it because there's so many actors that I'm sure, or any any part of the film industry, they got that one break, and they bombed or didn't do the right thing, and then they were like, never heard of again. I, I've seen actors have to be replaced because oh. when they got on set, they were too nervous, oh. and they probably had a great audition, and then they came to set and they're face to face with some actor that they you know been watching since they were a kid or whatever, and they're just too nervous, and, and they they had to be replaced. Um, <laughs> you know, nerves are a big part of it. It's, this is your moment, you know, your chance to shine kind of thing. And uh, people either do or they, or, or they don't. <laughs> yeah. Ken, this has been great. One, I, I wanted to mention this little story because I think it, it, I think sometimes people don't think that other people have that same like feeling. Like you said, when you were a kid and playing with your buddies and then years later you're doing that. So yeah. like, William Sadler, I interviewed, and he was telling me about when he was a kid, him and his buddy was would play like World War II, 
like fake shooting guns. And you got to think he plays like these badass villains early in his career, like hard to kill and die Hard two all within a year of each other. He said when he was doing die Hard two, when they're shooting up all the, when they're shooting up McLean in the plane, he right. said he had to get stopped by the production. I think it was the production manager or the director. And they came up and said, you don't need to make the gun sounds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what that, I, I have a funny story about that too. yeah go that stunt guy they're rehearsing the shot where he comes into this room and, and they go okay you're going to fire you're going to shoot the gun three times so you, 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 you run in and you go bang 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 and uh, you know so people can react and, and stuff like that and so they, he, they roll cameras and he comes running into the room and he goes Bang, bang, bang. And so it's not the first time that's happened. That's great. <laughs> oh, man. Ken, thanks for spending the time. And I'm happy we finally connected. Can I plug a fan of mine? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Shana Keebler is a diehard fan of mine. And she's written a book called uh, Rusty Blade for the Love of a Fan. And it's out on Amazon now. Sweet. Anyway, I just wanted to plug that book if anybody wants to have a look at it. Uh, you know, she she's one of these people who I think was a little lost for a while, and then just found her calling and writing. And I and you know, all I did was say keep writing. And she's written that book. She's working on another book, and I'm just really proud of her and, and uh, wanted to plug it. Right on. Well, really nice talking to you, Doug. Oh, dude, this has been great. Thank you so much. So cool that Ken plugged a fan's book. I love that, and I love the story about the stand-in. The fact that James Garner uses a buddy that he went to high school with as a stand-in to give this guy like, so he's always has a buddy around, but also gives the guy a job. And the the fact that Ken pretended that he was a, a stunt coordinator in order to do a, to learn how to stunt drive and do a 180 on an air, airport, man, it's wild. It is insane, but he loved it. He was so hungry. He would do anything for it. Great stories along the way. Ace Ventura. Man. Man, he was so cool. That was so great. For episode 199, just before 200, talk to Jason Voorhees. And just to hear some behind the scenes from that, the weigh-in, which I love so much with Robert Englund. I think that was the coolest promo for Freddy vs. Jason, having Michael Buffer there. Man, I hope you enjoyed it. Your homework, Freddy vs. Jason. The movie is absolutely amazing it's free on tubi so find it there and don't forget to review rate share our podcast follow us on all social media at sequels only and don't forget to check out our website sequels good night